I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Eureka, the show that gets under the skin of science in a good way as we invite a new expert every week to help us answer one of science's most interesting questions. Isaac Asimov, who to be fair does get a lot of airtime on this show, <laughs> once said the most exciting phrase in science is not Eureka, but that's funny and respectfully, I've said it before, I'll say it again, we think you can have both Isaac. I'm Rick Edwards. And I'm Dr. Michael Brooks. Brooksy. How did you initially charm your wife into a first date? Oh, that's a question, isn't it? I can rem- I don't really remember a first date, if I'm honest, but uh-huh. I do remember a first dance. Okay. And Philippa will absolutely categorically deny this because oh, it's embarrassing. Uh-huh. Uh, but it was uh, in Level 3 nightclub in Swindon, and it was Lady in Red by Christopher Berg. Oh, my God. <laughs> End of episode. It could only go up. <laughs> no no from further there. questions. <laughs> Level three in Swindon. That's, yeah, yeah. They um, had, uh, my uh, my cohort at school recently had a reunion there. Actually, does it still exist? It still is. It's still, still called Level well, there's Three. There's a plug on the wall. You know, it's like Michael yeah. Brooks first dance with Philip here. <laughs> it's not still called Level Three. It is. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Genuinely. That's decent longevity. Yeah. Yeah. It's not changed hands. Uh, and let me guess, absolute shithole? <laughs> yeah, of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> and and what about Lady in Red? <laughs> Lady thing, yeah, this is the moment. Yeah, yeah. I, it just, the opportunity was there and I went in, you know, it was just like, yeah, I think I think this is the time to start this thing off. So what's this? Is this like first year of uni? No. No, but no, before it, it was literally the night of A-level results. You've been together a long time, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, really. Wow. Have. And obviously it went well. Well, I, I I felt so. Yeah, I mean, well, she must have felt reasonably well. <laughs> and we've never discussed it. <laughs> no, but I mean, there's some evidence subsequently. Yeah, yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, well, well done. Wait, what, what about you? I've got first kiss. So after uh, we'd been to a mutual friend's bowling birthday party, <laughs> and amazingly, we weren't 12. <laughs> uh, on the bus, like we were getting the same bus home, but I had to get off the bus earlier oh. to go to my flat. She was carrying on on the bus, and I said to her, well, look, you, you should get off the bus now, and you can kiss me, or you stay on the bus and you don't get to kiss me. <laughs> and um, she said, and I'll she, stay on the bus, thanks. And mate, no. She said, oh, God, I'll get off the bus. So she got off the bus, we kiss, and then she got on the next bus and went home. <laughs> I suppose she didn't ask the driver to wait. <laughs> but subsequently, so, well, let's work it out. Yeah, like seven, eight weeks later, 
I asked her to marry me at that bus stop. <gasps> Romantic. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 And she said no. Pick so up what the about Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm assuming all this preamble has something to do with today's question. Uh, and we're not just like, you know, walking down memory lane on the, yeah, no, on, on the listener's time. Yeah, I'm not just making, I'm not like flirting with you. I'm not just making small talk at the top of the episode. <laughs> no, but what, what I thought was, because we are now living in an age of dating apps and online dating, and I think I'm right in saying that neither of us have ever used yeah. any of those. So I so, sort of find it fascinating anyway. Um, so I wanted to know whether the next generation might be able to avoid all of that rigmarole and sort of heartbreak and stuff by just using technology to locate themselves a perfect partner instead. I think they've got it too easy, this generation. We're about to find uh, out, aren't we? <laughs> the days of love-struck lovers finding each other on a dance floor at level three in Swindon may be limited. These days, it's all about swiping. There's Bumble, Tinder, Hinge, Grinder, even apps tailored towards your personal preferences, like Bristler an app for people with a penchant for beards. But just how useful are all these profiles? Is it making it any easier to find our perfect matches? That's why today we're asking, can dating apps engineer love? So who have we got on this week then? Uh, So for this episode, I tracked down a guy called Rashid Amini. Uh, And Rashid is the founder of Nanaya, which is a a data-driven algorithm, concentrate on this, data-driven algorithm that analyses personality traits external surroundings and interests to scientifically predict your love life using principles of sort of systems modeling and economic forecasting no way i mean uh, it's a slightly a no way from me as well is he like i mean he's gone he's gone a bit too far that's the bump that's that's the sales pitch yeah um he's also you're like this a systems engineer at NASA's Jet Propulsion Lab oh yeah oh this guy's smashing it (laughs) it really is yeah I mean, that's an impressive So he's CV. basically applying rocket science to dating, literally. Yeah. And, and I still don't think I buy it. <laughs> <laughs> so the first question I asked him, which I think is where you kind of have to start, is do dating apps even work? So I think it's good to appreciate that the way dating apps work right now, when you think of things like Tinder, Bumble, Uh, They look at your past history on the dating app, like who have you been successful in matching with? How successful are you in matching? And so it'll try to match you with people that are scored in a similar way as you on that app. However, your behavior in the app, your success on the app speaks very little to who you are as a person, to your identity, to the values you have, to the lifestyle you live, to your sort of your own history with your family, your own psychology. So this sort of matchmaking based on app data or app use data isn't very valuable in actually matching you with other people. And so actually the traditional dating apps that were like, you know, in the early 2010s, kind of how OkCupid used to be, you know, they really care a lot more about, well, how do you respond to certain situations? They ask you all these personality questions and those end up being a bit more effective in how they can matchmake people in a similar way You can use the dating app as a means of self-discovery. So if you do have things like personality quizzes, you know, you may think you are into a certain kind of person, but as you answer all these different personality questions, you may better understand, oh, well, maybe my, what I really want is different from what I thought before. 
So again, it's not the sort of swipe-based apps that are good for the self-discovery. They aren't very good for matchmaking. The more they probe into who you really are and what's really important to you, those are the ones that can actually help you learn more about yourself and learn how to date better or with more compatible people. I mean, I'm thinking nobody's on a dating app to learn more about themselves, are they? No, I think he's saying it might be possible to do that. But right. That, but that is not the function. No. Certainly not a primary function. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. And that thing about just using your your dating history, so effectively going, ah, well, we've matched you with these people before. We'll just find you another one of them. Seems really <laughs> That's not really working, is it? I mean, no, because, I mean, surely you yeah. want to learn and go, maybe not this person. Yeah, it's called machine learning. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, not machine, just horizontal learning curve. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, not, not wildly impressive. I mean, the first thing that occurred to me is he's launched a sort of a kind of dating app. We'd say it's not really a dating app, but seems quite down on dating apps. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. They're, yeah, they're not very good. Yeah, but that's yeah. the point, isn't it? It's like, I'm um, presumably his uh, solves some of these problems, but the point is they're not very good, are they? I mean, you don't see like these massive success scores on any dating apps, basically. You know, no, what, no, what, no. what you find is that people just use them for six months and then like move on to the next one because it's not doing anything for them. Mm. So, so there's definitely something needs but, fixing. Except if you if you are very cynical, which I think we both are. <laughs> Just think about the business model of all of these apps. They don't want to pay you off <gasps> with your perfect partner. Do you know what? I've never ever thought that. Of course they don't. They no, want you to keep using don't. their fucking app. <laughs> <laughs> so they just keep giving you sort of okay people. But it, it genuinely is not in that their interest. Can't, no, that can't be true because if they did that, then yet you would move on to a different app. And people yeah, do. But, but, but people do. But here's another interesting thing. Uh, there is one company that owns 60% of the of the entire online dating market no. and they own so many different apps so they don't websites, care so they don't give a fuck yeah the fuck last it. thing they want is for you to hook up with somebody and for it yeah, to work yeah yeah i mean that that's very Amazing. cynical and they would all obviously deny it but just think about it oh yeah just, yeah i mean if you if you're in that boardroom making decisions about what you want your algorithm to do yeah. it's definitely not actually have people marry yeah so if, if well put it like this if i've came up with in this sort of uh, a utopian version of a of an app that literally could pair you with your perfect partner in straight away, then it's just one hit done, one hit done, one yeah. hit done. That's a terrible business model. Yeah, you're constantly looking for new customers, aren't you? Yeah, you, you want, what you need is people to be failing to find, <laughs> like or, or just having you know like, like a you know, three weeks is fine, then back on and. Yeah, I mean, the optimum is probably like one good, one average date, one good date, one really good date, but not then, quite then, good enough. And then, and then back, back down. To the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You it's like a, a cycle. Of, a, a, like a little oscillation. So you feel like there's a bit of progress and then, yeah. oh, nearly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, uh, in fairness, I'd not, that hadn't really occurred to me until I started reading about this stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Right. Of course. But our guy's not like that, right? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think I think it's quite useful actually to just talk a bit about sort of what, from a scientific point of view, love is anyway, because it's sort of it feels like quite an all-encompassing and vague term. Yeah, but it does fundamentally come down to sort of brain chemistry and and, and hormones. Yeah, to, You're sort romantic. Of, yeah, no, but it does though. <laughs> like, that, that's what it is. And there are there are three, I guess, main. Uh, components so there's there's lust yeah 
um, which will be driven by you know testosterone and 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 estrogen. Yeah. Um, and then you've got attraction, which weirdly I think doesn't have like it often happens at the same time as lust, but doesn't have to, and that. That's controlled by sort of dopamine and, and serotonin levels. And then you've got attachment, which is the thing that sort of Screws keeps you, you with yeah, <laughs> the thing that keeps you with with, yeah, with someone. Yeah. And that'll be controlled by oxytocin and uh what's the other one? Oh, vasopressin. Okay. So, so it's it's all hormonal, it's all it's all brain chemistry. Yeah. And and those those three components sort of work together sometimes and sometimes in 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 opposition um so that's what's going on in your in your head so in in a way when you know that you think okay there probably is a way of of like engineering yeah like messing with someone but it's probably not an app-based thing it's probably a drug-based thing (laughs) a couple of other nice things about about sort of falling in in love is that when you so with attraction in particular, so in that first sort of honeymoon period, like your dopamine levels are up, your serotonin levels I think are down, and that makes you feel kind of giddy and euphoric and yeah. sort of energized. But also it does reduce your appetite and can give you insomnia. So that sense of I'm so in love, I can't I can't eat, I can't, I can't eat, sleep. I can't sleep. That's all chemistry as well. Oh, it's like so many That's song lyrics, hormones. isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They could all have an addendum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the dopamine. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to remix some of these. <laughs> um, but also, the thing with attraction is it kind of maintains sort of high dopamine levels, quite a lot like cocaine does. Yeah. So y- you can make a sort of not entirely specious argument that falling in love is a bit like becoming addicted. To someone yeah. certainly with that attraction element of it, um, and then and then sexual arousal, the the lust part does turn off certain brain regions, or it seems to. So brain regions regulating stuff like critical thinking and self awareness <laughs> and rational behaviour. <laughs> so it it, does, it makes you stupid. Yeah. So that's sort of uh, you know young, dumb, and full of cum. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's about right. Really. <laughs> it's lovely. It's, it's a horrible phrase, but, but <laughs> it really it's, it's on the money <laughs> from, from 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 a neuroscience point of view. <laughs> I'm surprised they don't write that in neuroscience laboratories. <laughs> Why has no neuroscientist written a textbook simply called "Young, Dumb, and Full of Cum"? <laughs> I bet one comes out next year. <laughs> yeah, by me. <laughs> Actually, by us. We're, yeah, we're yeah, going to yeah. co-author it. Yeah, because you'll make me write it and then you'll put your name on that's it. right yeah i'll just do a bit of funny stuff yeah. now obviously date the dating app space is quite new but scientists are trying to look at how your psychology might be might be affected by by using them so there's a, a study that they did in uh was well, university of north texas study it's a few years ago of tinder users and they found that men who are using it would have a lower self-esteem than men who who weren't using it now i don't think that's necessarily causal but it's interesting well i mean presumably you get a lot of rejections or or a lot of you know attempted hookups that just you'd never get yeah and i think it can just be quite brutal yeah yeah like if you're not getting people 
matching with you. I imagine it really uh, screws with your psychology as well because we've not evolved to to deal with interpersonal relationships in this way at all, have not, we? I mean, we've literally evolved to meet people, you know, face to face, effectively look at them, smell them, yeah, and and then make decisions. Isn't yeah. it? So so doing the whole thing digitally, it's a completely different Di- experience. Digitally and you know, one or two sort of superficial carefully curated images yeah. like it's a very artificial space yeah. obviously yeah uh, Rashid actually ag- agreed with you as well he said that you know the way that apps work just aren't it doesn't necessarily fit with how our brains are wired I think that dating apps reinforce our notions of who the one is uh, because you got this list of people that you can swipe through that you can look at and you think based on all the culture and society what has to tell you that, oh, you know, there really is that person for you. And so you can, you go through this list and and you're just sort of stuck swiping, looking for really perfection when it's impossible to find. And technology is there to reinforce these myths and reinforce these preconceived notions. In that sense, it's a bit, you know, maybe not very helpful, but if you do take a step back and appreciate the technology only exists to broaden your horizons, you can meet or see more people on a dating app that you can meet in a pub or going out on you know public transportation or in your workplace well it's good for that but it doesn't necessarily do more you know he's still quite down on dating apps <laughs> for a guy who started one <laughs> it, is he single by the way do I we, do, know? We, I, we don't know Oh, we don't okay. know. I should have asked him. Yeah, should have asked him. What um, Rashid was talking about there was this idea of the paradox of, of choice, where, and you have two different sorts of people. So you've, and I, I'd be interested to know which you are. I think you're probably the, uh, uh, a satisficer, which is a strange word I'd never come across. Okay. So there's maximizers and satisficers. Maximizers are people who just are looking for the absolute best and sort of very influenced by. The, the media, which is sort of the propaganda machine for maximising, right. really, which is always saying, you can get the perfect blah, blah. You can find the best yada, yada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so they're always looking, always looking. So they keep trying and trying again until they they, they, they find the, the perfect fit. And obviously that applies very neatly to dating apps. But those people, much less satisfied on average and much more prone oh, to... Absolutely, the route to unhappiness. Yeah, isn't to- it? totally, and and slightly of of madness. Yeah. Whereas uh, satisficers, essentially, they're set off for good enough. Yeah, that's they're just me. like this is this is this is good. Personal and, and they, professional life. Yeah, yeah, and and they they experience less uh, less FOMO, so less sort of fear of missing yeah. out. They're happier the the maximizers and the real sort of uh, poster children for uh, satisficers is Danish people. Really? And I didn't notice. Yeah, apparently Danish people are really um, sort of from quite an early age. They talk about taking pleasure in stuff that is good. It doesn't need to be the best, and, and also accepting that wow. most of us will be average, and that's great, and that's fine, and that's normal. Yeah, and you don't need to be I mean, striving that's a to be huge leap, isn't it? Accepting that average is fine. You don't have to be the best at anything. Yeah. And, but also, um, it makes because of course it's like. Of course it's true, by definition. Yeah. Like, you probably will be average. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, harking back to our our music episode, uh, where I I talked about being average at playing the bass, I'm perfectly happy with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have to be. But at least you are. (laughs) Yeah. Whereas if 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 you wanted to be good at the bass... You'd yeah. be deeply, deeply frustrated, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, 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 I would. And that, and that is true absolutely across the board. It's like professionally as well. Is I've learned, you know, 
of course you want to create the best possible thing that you can if you're creating something like writing or whatever but you also have to appreciate that you get to a point where it's not getting any better and you need to just you know within pass reason it on. it's all got to be within reason so you end up with a situation in in dating apps where people just get burnout and they're just getting yeah, kind of decision that. fatigue and they're just tired of endlessly scrolling and and certainly in terms of the amount of time they're spending scrolling versus how much time they're actually spending on actual dates is really depressing, I think. Yeah, I can um, imagine the only way to really do it properly is to kind of not care, just use it as entertainment, as like looking through all the, you know, these, these people, but not think, you know, somewhere here I'm going to find the one. It's just like, oh, here we are, maybe I will. Yeah, I mean, there's some, there's some pretty um, damning stats about dating apps generally. So 75% of, of singles will say that they have been burnt out by unrewarding interactions on the app unsuitable matches on 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 the app i think 60 percent of hinge users hinge is another one of the big big yeah. apps so, so they're overwhelmed by the whole sort of process of of modern dating there was a quite recent study in the us i think in april this year where it said that 80 percent of adults will experience some degree of emotional fatigue or, uh, or or burnout from from online dating. So, whilst ideal, loads of people are using it, I don't think it's I don't think it's working particularly well. Although I think they are working well as as businesses. There's a surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and also, I think there's quite a lot of evidence that people just don't behave very well on these apps. Yeah. So that's why people are getting ghosted. So I think 80% of users have been ghosted at some point. So this is where someone just is like chatting to you like they're quite interested and then suddenly they just disappear. <laughs> just like, and don't even bother to sort of say, actually, I'm not interested. And then, again, so obvious, but female users just report... Uh, so 44% of female users have been called sort of abusive names. Yeah. 19% uh, of female users have been targeted um, and had threats of like physical harm. Just horrible, just horrible stuff. And it does feel like because people treat it almost like they're not real people, almost like they're characters in an online game. Yeah, so it doesn't yeah. feel, so people get sort of toyed with yeah. online in a way that you just wouldn't really have in in real life as much and then and then you have you remember in uh, i think a couple of years ago doom scrolling was the sort of was the word of yeah, the year yeah and you have a very similar thing with with um with dating apps where you're just doom swiping right just keeping on going and going and going <laughs> and it's just increasingly depressing God, i mean sounds, basically i mean no wonder our guy is so really, down on the whole yeah, thing no, no, it, yeah yeah because it's a crock of shit <laughs> <laughs> although i mean it does you have to say there are some success stories, clearly. Like yeah. Some people do get what they want out of it. And in, in some cases, that is just sort of casual hookups. And in some cases, that will be long-term relationships. But I don't think the hit rate is particularly good yeah, well, for either, weirdly. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, it, it's not a surprise that sometimes it works because, you know, everything works sometimes, doesn't it? It's like a clock being right twice a day kind of thing. But for most people, the experience is overwhelmingly negative. Which tells you that something is, you know, I, I mean, yeah, they're not for the user, are they? Like all digital technology that's free, effectively, you're not the customer. No, you're you're, the one, you're, you're being mined for you're data. You're being mined for data. You are yeah. you are a source of income for those companies. Yeah. We're going to look at whether there is such a thing as the one, the future of matchmaking, and of course, we'll be trying to answer today's question: Can dating apps engineer love? Right after this quick break. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I've got to say, the more that we talk about this, the more I think, thank God I didn't have to use it. Me too. I mean, you know, I, I think both of my children have used them yeah. uh, temporarily, but got off them very quickly. Mm. And, and it just looks like the worst of all possible worlds. Yeah, it does. It really does. I suppose if they could help you find the one, then that, that would be great. So I actually asked Rashid about this. I think it's safe to say that no one is ever going to be the perfect partner for you. There will always have to be compromise in a long-term relationship where you're going through different life stages. And so because of that, you're going to have to commit to an individual if you want to be monogamous, if you want something long-term, and you're going to have to make compromises over what you really want. And so what the algorithms can do, whether it's really in the matchmaking or what we do, which is in the future prediction, is that... You can identify who could be compatible. Then you get to meet people, you get to know them, you get to see what their values are, how they live their lives. Is that compatible? If it's not, what do you want to compromise? So there could be a lot of people that could be the ones for you, but you just really have to commit if that's what you want. Now, if you want something more short term, then maybe there could be you know the one for tonight, right? And so you don't need to be perfectly compatible. So you just need someone that and satisfy your urges or what you're looking for. But again, that just depends who you are, where you are in life. The one for tonight. <laughs> Bit of a lad. <laughs> oh, dear. Mm. I mean, I, I, I fundamentally don't believe in the idea of the one, even though, you know, I've been in a monogamous relationship for a long, long time. I still think, and I'm pretty sure that Philip and I have discussed this as well, it's like, you just get to the point where you think, okay, this when you say this is the one, you don't mean the only possibility. You just mean this works, right? I mean, yeah. You know, that, that's what you're saying is this works. It's not perfect, 
which I guess is what Rashid is saying. It's like, you know, you at some point have to sort of decide. I mean, I, don't, I hate to use the phrase good enough. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you're about to, aren't you? I can of, feel it coming. It's kind of where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the key is that you aren't fixed. No one, no one is entirely fixed. And that, for me, is what makes the idea of the one probably not make any sense. Because if, if your personality is a little bit fluid, which it will be, and you're prepared yeah. to make compromises about certain things, then you can change in order to tessellate nicely with someone. Yeah. But you would equally possibly be able to change to tessellate slightly differently with another person. Yeah, yeah. It's just who you decide to make the, the effort with, I think. Yeah. And obviously you need a base level, clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and of course, I mean, that's that's what all that sort of stuff at the beginning is establishing effectively. It's like, oh, there is a good base level here yeah. that we can build on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can work with this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I yeah. mean, that, that is our, a romantic take on the, on our relationships. But it is basically, can you work with this? Yeah. Because it's not like a done deal. It's not finished. It's, mm. you know, it, and and you're, you know, if it's going to be a long-term thing, then obviously you're going to change massively over the years in terms of your personalities, your ambitions, your the way you like to spend your time, hobbies you might develop, you know, that might sort of take you in completely different directions. And you, those are all things that you can't predict and you can't work out ahead of time. No, no, no. And, and an app definitely wouldn't be able to. Because no, no. it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. I mean, although I mean, that, I know would, that, that would be a good app. That would be, yeah, would be good. But I suppose, actually, what, what Rashid is saying is that his is sort of predicting stuff. But I mean, I don't know if I believe that. Um, <laughs> it, I'll tell you what is um, quite illuminating is to think about how much monogamy you see throughout the rest of the natural world. And spoiler... <laughs> <laughs> you don't see much of it. Like, you really don't. We have talked about this before, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, it is, it, it's, you know, it's those Attenborough rarity. documentaries are just horseshit. You know, so much of it is just sort even, of like... Even, like, the classics, like the sort of the Emperor Penguin. Yeah. They're like, oh, Emperor Penguins. They, they, they're, they're, they are serial monogamists, but they're not, like, one partner monogamists. Yeah. So after every season, then they, they set up with someone new. Yeah. And they're faithful for that for that period then they have the offspring and then they move on to the next and then the vasopressin receptors but you know the, the absolute overwhelming majority of the of the animal kingdom there's nothing even approaching yeah. monogamy there are these two types of vole that are very closely related a prairie vole and a meadow vole right and the prairie vole is really monogamous and the meadow vole it's fucking around. <laughs> it's really promiscuous. But they're really, really similar. And it, it sort of, you can't really work out any particular reason this would be yeah. until you look at their, their brain chemistry. And they've got more uh, vasopressin receptors, the, uh, the prairie voles, within their kind of dopamine, uh, dopamine reward region. Yeah. So that means that they, they create these attachment bonds. Right. And the meadow voles don't have that. Yeah. Now... If you inject the meadow voles with a with a with a virus that will uh, just it's just a single gene that will control that yeah that will alter that so that they they do have more receptors they'll suddenly become monogamous wow and if you put in if you give the prairie voles a drug that inhibits those receptors then they suddenly become promiscuous oh, I love it now clearly they are just that these are voles they're, they're not humans but the principle yeah is there yeah. yeah 
So I do think that you would be able to create some kind of horrible drug cocktail <laughs> or genetic interference. Yeah. Also, my vasopressin recept- receptors have stopped working is a great excuse for being caught philandering, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> I forgot to have my injection. Oh, I'm so sorry. I, uh, uh, what can I do? I just stopped working for one night. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I, I thought you'd enjoy the. Fun. Yeah, no, I, I like that. Um, and, it, and it gives you, yeah, it does give you a sense of the fact this is. I mean, I hate this is I hate that horrible reductionist thing, but I know it's kind of true that that we yeah. are chemical beasts, aren't yeah. we? Basically, yeah, yeah. So of course yeah. it's going to be, you know, maybe not exactly the same, maybe a bit more complex because we have more complex social bonding Did, and stuff. But but totally. it's essentially the same kind of deal. It's going to be a, a, a similar thing that is happening, as you say, much more complicated. And you know, we, we've laughed before about the fact that most uh, interesting scientific studies are just done in mice yeah. um, and then don't necessarily have any particular application. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's probably similar with the voles, but yeah. it does make a point. Yeah. Especially if you can just use gene therapy to just kind of change that, change yeah, that, that single the, the gene, genetics. Yeah. And then the expression of that means yeah. that you completely fundamentally change your lifestyle. Yeah. That's extraordinary. I know. I know. Big really up the voles. But human culture, our, our culture seems to be generally monogamous. Yeah. But, or, but, or sometimes it's polyandrous or y- sometimes there's polygamy, I guess, in certain cultures. But So in our early history, there would have been loads of uh, polygamy. So you just did like one dominant male in a group. Maybe, well, maybe not necessarily one, but you're probably one. And then lots of women that he is siring children with yeah yeah now the interesting thing about that is trying to work out how we got from that to a situation where largely the status quo is sort of monogamy and that's the thing that people should be aiming for that's a kind of general sense isn't it it is yeah Um, and why that might be one of the factors is if you've got one guy who's got all of the uh, all of the women you've also got a lot of disgruntled men on the sidelines yeah yeah now those disgruntled men at some point, they're going to have the means, weapons, to start challenging a dominant male. Yeah. For example. Yeah. So that's that. That might be one one factor. Yeah. And then you've got this idea, and all of this, I think, is pretty speculative. But that as our brains got bigger, it got more demanding to try and look after kids. You just had to put in more effort, and you've got to get them more food. Yeah. Essentially. So having loads of kids spread across lots of different uh, family units was just not that practical, and and there's some evidence, in fact, that in in those scenarios, children would would have lower survival rates. Yeah, if, okay. if you're if you're if you've got a sort of one father and mul- multiple mothers, so there's kind of some social evolutionary pressures driving you towards monogamy, maybe just in the in the sense that it will help your kind of social stability. I yeah, guess. well, I think that's why it sort of established itself so long, isn't it? Yeah. Because it does give you a kind of social stability. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, this is the way we do things in our culture. Yeah. And it sort of seems to work in effect. But I, I think it works because people have realised that, you know, the, there's a lot of cost to constantly switching partners, effectively, Ye- the way we live now. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's difficult. Yeah, I think also don't underestimate the role that religion has played. Yeah, absolutely. In it, like religion, you know, 
suddenly starts talking about sort of illegitimate children and stuff like that. Yeah. And so that applies a further pressure. But I do think that this is all kind of social, cultural. It is still in opposition fundamentally probably to biological desires. So interesting to think about dating apps then. Are, yeah. are they hitting the cultural points or are they hitting the biological points? Probably neither. But, Which is why but, everyone's having a shit time. Yeah. So I, I suppose the, the the biological points would be just allowing you to go and sleep with lo- loads of people. Yeah. Possibly. And the social points is finding you a, a, a lifelong partner. But it, I don't think they're especially good at, at either of those things. But here's what I was thinking. I, you, you might have a view on this. Is that changing? Like, is... And I think there are some stats that suggest that it is, that more and more young people are opting out of monogamy. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not going to speak for any generation in particular. I, mm. I think one of the I things... there is a bit of a shift. One of the things I see is a, a slight shift towards not having to be coupled up all the time. You know, people being sort of much more comfortable with just not being in a long-term mm. relationship and sort of feeling like that's okay. And you can live life like that perfectly well. And I think there's probably, for the generation below ours, there's probably also a shift in that they can't, certainly in this country, it's very hard to imagine yourself like buying a house, settling down, doing that whole thing, because effectively you're just working to survive and pay the bills and Mm -hmm. you're not able to get a mortgage and you're paying rent. And so that whole sort of, you know, 1950s dream that was sort of set out Mm -hmm, of like, you know, mm -hmm. oh, you know, you couple up, you buy a house, you have kids, you know, that's you sorted. I mean, it's just unreachable, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and consequently sort of quite infantilising. Yeah, yeah. Because you're effectively saying, yeah, um, you probably, if you can, probably live with your mum and dad until you're about 40. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, see how that goes. <laughs> um, what, obviously, having listened to uh, Rashid talking about dating apps and, and how dubious he sounds about them, yeah, I was interested to know why he would want to make one. <laughs> so I asked him. <laughs> so right now, uh, Nanai is not a dating app but rather we predict people's love lives. So you know, you're, you're stuck at a juncture in life. You don't know what you want. You don't know what to expect from the future. And so we ask for you know, people to answer a rather lengthy questionnaire that goes over things like uh, your demographics, identity, your values, your lifestyle, the different social networks you're actually a part of in, in your daily life. And we use that to uh, predict the future by modeling your behavior over the next seven years, who you're potentially compatible with, who you might run into, how your values imply how happy you'll be single versus in a relationship. And so from that, we can predict what your likely outcome is and how to change that outcome. So it's sort of like an anti-dating app in a sense. It's like, okay, here's what your life looks like to us. And here's our kind of advice on where you should go or what you should do or how things are going to turn out. And you can take control of it effectively rather than just sort of fatalistically swiping through dating apps. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, d- I just don't know how good a love prediction algorithm can be, but I suppose that's what he's trying to find out. Well, yeah. I mean, it's probably too early to say. Maybe. I did a bit of research as well into what why Rashid had uh, had designed this app and it sort of 
heartbreaking in a oh, way. Oh no! So he's uh, um, he, he's working at the jet propulsion lab. Yeah, he's in he's in LA. He's got a girlfriend that he thinks is 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 the one, um, and he was uh, thinking about proposing to her, and then they had a sort of drawn out breakup. Um, and uh, she, she, I think, jokingly said to him, "Well, look, we should do a cost-benefit analysis oh about relationship." God. And he was like, "Yeah, we should." Uh, and so he, wow. he literally opened up Excel <laughs> and started like creating, um, uh, trying to come up with a, like a utility value of their wow, relationship. Wow, it's got big it's, Ross and Rachel friends yeah. vibes, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's that's what it came out of. Um, yeah, so just <laughs> so basically, his app is the Excel sheet, just like you know, t- taken large. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cost benefit analysis. Yeah, I it's not. It. It's not romantic, clearly, <laughs> but that's. Um, yeah, I that, don't that's mind that though. I think. I think we all in our heads do a cost benefit analysis. I, I think just you're right. Not I think that explicit right. about it. Yeah, because you'd be you'd be too embarrassed. Yeah, yeah. But Whereas, if you if you work at the jet propulsion lab, I mean, people the, know you're a nurse. Yeah, yeah, like, you're yeah. fine. <laughs> Just, yeah, I bet you had it on a big screen, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Talking through it with a PowerPoint. <laughs> but this is why people stay up all night analysing their relationships with their friends, isn't it? Because they're effectively yeah. doing the cost-benefit yeah, analysis, but they're just not being explicit and, and kind of reductionist well, no, about it. Because normal people would say uh, pros and cons. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, that, and that's... That's what a cost-benefit analysis is, yeah, really. Yeah. It's just like a sort of sophisticated version. Yeah, that that sounds um, like it would only be used by dorks. Yeah, which broadly but, is true, and it's not a bad thing. No, no. But if you can get a dork to design it for you and then use yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's effectively what great. he's yeah, providing. Yeah, isn't it? It's yeah. his spreadsheet. Yeah, and then you give him all your data, and and he generalizes that to the whole population, and so he can tell you based on. Yeah, analysis of all his thousands of people using his app. Well, people like you mostly are lonely forever. Yeah, <laughs> bad news. <laughs> I think they also uh, they they do quite an extensive personality questionnaire, but I'm really skeptical about those. There's a there's a, a website I went on that is called something like I'll just pull it up now. It really wound me up. Uh, it's called DNA Romance. Oh, um, yeah, alarm bells, alarm bells, alarm bells. Uh, and it uses uh, it uses a hundred markers, uh, genetic markers, to uh, I think the word you're looking for it abuses. Yes, effectively. And and it says things. I'm just going to read it out. I mean, I was just thinking honestly. This is such a load of such a load of bollocks. Um, there we go. Evaluates uh, yeah, markers positioned in candidate genes that have been shown to play a role in human attraction and reproduction. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, the more you read about it, the, the less uh, convincing it sounds. I think they're trying to get to. Um, and there's a there's a page called the science which I couldn't. I mean, I, I started. <laughs> it was like, oh, right. Um, and uh, but they're trying to get to you finding something you like the smell of. And as we know right, from our okay. smell episodes, you're like, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. But then they also, they have a sort of personality uh, bit. And the first thing they talk about in the personality bit is the fact they use the Myers-Briggs. Oh. And uh, and you know how I feel about that. I do. And if, and if anyone listening doesn't know, the Myers-Briggs personality sort of trait test, whatever it's called, that is absolutely used 
across the board by people in a really unquestioning way. And corporations. Way. And by corporations. And, you know, it's, it's, so, it's so popular. Um, and it's also a crock of shit. It's made <laughs> up. It's made up. To just try and remember that. Um, so if you've got a combination of a, a site called DNA Romance, um, which is talking about you know using markers. Genetic sort of, markers. Yeah, genetic markers. Have a role to then, play in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then using uh, Myers-Briggs, you're like, don't. And, and listen, if you're listening and you work for DNA Romance and you want to come and defend yourself, you can't because that's not how this <laughs> podcast works. <laughs> Uh, I'll tell you something that I thought was quite sweet, but I can see other people might not think was sweet, is that in in Japan, there's some, uh, there's, I think, a group of companies that are providing like an AI dating tool for their employees because Japan have got real problems in terms of people partnering off, people having kids. I think everyone's sort of aware of it. So they're trying to, you know, like chivvy people along. And this part of this, AI actually sort of coaches you as you're interacting with people on the app. <gasps> yeah. oh, I thought you were on the date, though. No, no, like, no but I mean, leave it on the table. But effectively, I mean, it's it, it's one small step from that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, instead of just having like your 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 friend on the phone to uh, yeah give give you some conversational topics, the, the app is sort of saying, ah, now at this point you might want to uh, you know blah 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 flick your hair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see you do that. <laughs> oh, you flicked it all off. Um, yeah, but they're uh, so that's um, that's one sort of corporate. Yeah, I mean, you approach. can see a future, can't you? Where yeah. where you know you leave an app on the table, and probably by mutual consent, both of you are just like you know looking at it, so, you know, looking for scores or whatever how this is going. But imagine, thing. but then, then like, it's got a camera on both of you. It's yeah. listening to your conversation. And it's reading and your facial cues. It's reading cues, your body yeah, 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 All the emotions are being registered, yeah. and it's just giving you like. Yeah. Get out, get yeah. out. Well, it's like, she's leaving in 15 minutes. Yeah. She's leaving in 10 minutes. <laughs> unless, you, unless you stop talking about trains. Put your Excel spreadsheet away. She doesn't want to hear about your utility values. Um, but I suppose, I mean, if you did have a situation like that, it'd be deeply, deeply confusing because... If the date's going well, but you know that the person is getting a load of tuition from from the app, what am I? Am I falling in love with the app? <laughs> oh, <laughs> what, that's a good like, question. What's, isn't what's it? going on there? Or you, uh, are you falling in love with the human plus the app? Yeah. And would it be the same without the app? Yeah. And what happens if you take the app away? Does the whole relationship crumble? I don't know. It just feels really complicated, doesn't it? Does, it? it does feel complicated. Yeah. Right. Should we? Um, should we get Rashid's answer to the uh, to the main question? Which is, can dating apps engineer love? I think we can certainly try, but I I think we'll also appreciate that love and emotion is something that is ultimately irrational, is something that is based on emotion. And the degree to which you can hack love is based on the degree to which you know yourself and the degree to which you can know other people. And as we're constantly learning about ourselves and others as we become older and wiser, our ability to hack love improves. But if you think that love is something that your human experience is something that you can just simply quantify and that quantitative knowledge is complete knowledge, then you're mistaken. 
I kind of agree with him. I think you can't really expect to progress with you know another human being until you are sure of not sure of but sort of comfortable with who you are how you are how you mm-hmm, think how mm-hmm. you work you know if you know that you know you are the kind of person who just doesn't like to commit or you feel sort of skittish or whatever then you 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 have a different approach and you don't try and mm. get yourself into a long-term monogamous relationship you know you sort of wait till you're at that point and it feels like the right thing to do uh, so i think knowing yourself is quite an important part of it yeah yeah and then i guess it's a, a question of how easily can an app or an algorithm capture that knowledge i think that's still quite hard yeah that's that, I, I, that I, I is pretty think, hard don't think it's insurmountable but it's hard but i i can imagine a situation where you could design the right questionnaire and maybe mm. this is what rashid has done mm. design the right questionnaire to ask yourself all these questions about what do i actually want as opposed to what's being imposed on me from the outside where do i feel i am am i comfortable with like settling or do i want to keep moving do i want to travel and you answer all those questions mm. and, you know you create your cost benefit analysis for being in a relationship with somebody with you know very different values to yours and so i can kind of see how you could you could make this work. I'm sure we haven't got there yet, but honestly, I mean, this is so creepy, but I, I go right back to the stuff I was saying about brain chemistry. Uh, what I do think you probably could do, and I don't think you should do it, but you probably could do, is figure out a way of doping someone so that they would fall in love with someone. Love potion. Yeah. I think you could come up with a love potion. Yeah. It, so I mean, it's highly unethical. It's hi- highly unethical, but I think you could do it whereby you, you just create all of the, the right signals or hormonal signals in yeah. the brain that makes you think that you love this person. And then you just have to keep doing it. You have to keep uh, right. sort of like adjusting Well, you have to keep topping it. up their dose. Yeah, topping it up, making sure it's peaky at the right time. It's gone really dark. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so look, if it's like, can you engineer love? Yes. yes. I think you've, Through chemistry. <laughs> and you're not going to like it. And it's not very romantic. <laughs> but I can create the feeling of love. It's funny though, isn't it? How in fiction you're allowed to like have like a love potion and just slip it into someone's drink or whatever and it's sort of an acceptable <laughs> thing to do. Really frowned upon in, uh, in real life. And <laughs> yeah, rightly, yeah. rightly so. Eureka is a stack production presented by Dr. Michael Brooks and Rick Edwards. The production team is Temi Adebayo, Katie Baxter, Luke Moore and Charlie Morgan. Sound designed by Katie Baxter. Special thanks to today's expert, Rashid Amini. Please subscribe and rate wherever you listen to your podcast. It does make a massive difference. You can also find us on Twitter at EurekaPod. We also really love hearing from you guys. So if you have any burning questions you want answering, drop us an email at eureka at stack.london. That's S-T-A-K dot London. Or you can always find us on Twitter at EurekaPod. Thanks. Eureka is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.